Welcome back to another edition of the Y Hockey Periodical Podcast. With me is OG Matt, Matthew O'Brien. How you doing, bud? I'm doing all right. I noticed you had to drop the as always uh, with me as always, Matt O'Brien. So I know. Maybe I, I got to get back on this more often here. You were at the recent Philadelphia Flyers-Florida Panthers game in Philadelphia, the second this year in Philadelphia. Surprised I wasted money on tickets again? Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I didn't make the drive down. I wasn't going to go again. Uh, I'm surprised that you did. And uh, after how uh, they did last year and earlier this year, for some reason, it's a lot different when your goalie is uh, giving you 96% of the saves. Yeah, I mean, Luongo it wasn't tested all that often in Philadelphia, uh, at least in the first couple periods, but he, unlike Reimer and Hutchinson earlier in the season, he made the saves he needed to make, kept the Panthers uh, either tied nothing nothing or up one nothing for a little bit there. Uh, and that's, you know, what they've been missing at the beginning of the season and what Luongo is finally bringing to the table and giving them. And, you know, that's where we got so upset with the goaltending situation this year, because it, it's that it's really that simple. You just need a good goalie that's going to make the saves he needs to make and maybe steal a couple saves he's not going to make, and you have a really good chance at winning game in and game out. Of course, that's if Luongo can stay healthy. And, you know, as much as the problems he's solved uh, by coming back in the crease, as soon as he vacates the crease and it goes back to Reimer or somebody else, um, and it's not just on the, the back end of a back-to-back when it's a couple games in a row. You're going to start to see the same thing. And even uh, we, you're going to see the same thing when Luongo has those games where he can't do it all himself. We saw that last night uh, versus a Columbus team that didn't have Sergei Borovsky, didn't have Artemi Panarin. Uh, half the team had the flu or stomach bug or some some sickness, and they for the first, would you say, 25 minutes, 30 minutes, it looked like it. Columbus looked like the team that was. Uh, I'd say 20 Columbus. minutes. They they came out pretty hot in that uh, second period. I'm pretty sure uh, Torello probably screamed at them in between. Um, but yeah, you know, Luongo, you can tell that the Panthers, their entire system revolves around Luongo or a goalie like Luongo behind them in the net. The way they play the game, the way they play defense especially, uh, relies on having that top-tier netminder. And when it's Reimer or someone else, it, it doesn't work out because they're, you know, they're either changing their game too much to try and cover for the goaltending mistakes at that point or the ones that they know are going to come if they let the pucks get there. Uh, or, you know, I, I'm not sure what it is, but it's clear that their system is based off having a, a, a superstar goalie in that. Uh, but even like a game against Columbus, you can't just not play defense in front of them. You still need to, you know, how many times did the D get burnt last night? I think they scored three breakaway goals out of the seven. So, uh, you, you know, just because you have Luongo back there doesn't mean that the defense can slack off a little bit and, and leave it all up to him. It's very noticeable to me the way the D play uh, and their style isn't from you would think the crease out center out back back to front 
for whatever reason, it seems to be from the wings back. They play from the boards high back towards the net. It always seems like they're starting high, getting having the pivot turn and chase towards the net. Um, and a lot of times it's because there's leaving, they're leaving guys behind there and all it takes is a chip puck or a puck off the boards or throwing something on the net for that guy to be alone and have a little mini breakaway or, you know, small games in with the, with Luongo. And if that's not going to be a goal, it might be a tor- a torn groin. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's, it's really putting a lot of hard minutes on, I, I also, on these goals. I've noticed too. I'm not sure if it's just a lack of communication, a lack of reading, it's or, probably, it's or, probably or, or what it is. But there's a lot of times where, like you said, there's guys on the far side of the ice, and all five Panthers playing defense are, are too focused on puck side, uh, and the yep. puck squirts by them, whether it be a nice pass or just a bad bounce or whatever. The puck will just squirt by him, and the guy's got a clear opportunity on net with a defenseman trying to scramble back. And then that's when they get running in the defensive zone, and then more guys end up open. Yeah, and and it's it's mainly the D aren't anchored to the front of the net. Um, you want them to kind of be on a string, kind of anchored to the front of the net. So you know, it's always yeah, out corner to the front, and back, yep, corner to back. You know, they shouldn't be going hash marks. That up. should be a winger or center. Yeah, and if they do, you got to be coming back. I mean, you're always got to return home. Yep. And uh, and and the thing is, when the puck's on the other side, you can't be nudging on that side. Uh, and I think a lot of times players like Wegar, um, Ackblad, Jandel, Matheson, Pissick, I mean, every D, I, I, I think that we should really say this, every single defenseman this year, save McDonald, has been a liability for at least a couple games in a row, Has has been – has been a victim of terrible turnovers through the middle that could that you know you wouldn't be surprised if they were sat by a coach in the league and there's not one defenseman who really isn't at fault this year i mean Ekblad seems to be the best out of all of them Which and i would say surprise there i guess <laughs> and i would say Bogdan Kisovich is is probably second and then you know which which is kind of concerning cuz it's a guy that's high. never played on on the small nhl ice until this year he missed most of the preseason and adjusting to it with a broken jaw uh, and yeah frankly i think he's been the steadiest defenseman i think he's probably been the best one on the roster so far i don't understand you signed what was he 28 he's like all right right yeah, he's, yeah. He's, old. he's played in the khl for how many years he's played in the olympics for how many years he's been a top pair defender in the khl the second best league in the world and the olympics the only other place to find good you know that this level of hockey and he's done it as, as a top four defenseman so what they should be doing and what they should have done all training camp was figure out who he plays best with, Yandel or Ekblad, Yandel yep. or Ekblad. Maybe it's even Matheson. But you take you have three big defensemen who can play in the top four, log a bunch of minutes, who don't have partners, aren't going right now. You know, Ekblad's doing pretty good defensively, I feel like, for the most part. Um, but his offense is just coming alive now because he's been running around, run ragged. Uh, and, you know, it's hard to make offense when you're turning over the puck every breakout. Um, but and when you're not sure where your partner is going to be right. and, you know, but you're not sure if he's higher up the ice than you are. You had a terrible defense. You've had you, ever since. OK, it was you traded Gabranson Kulikov because there was five years, four years where it wasn't working. They they didn't get the job done. 
we're now like that with this decor. It's been how many years where they're not getting the job done? You got to get new blood in there. You go, you make a big signing. You get a 28-year-old guy, some potential still on the scale because he hasn't come over to North America. Maybe you can get a little more out of him with the way he plays. It's tilted for North American style. You, you made a big deal about him. Why is he playing on the third pair when you're, you're forcing guys like Pissick and Petrovic to be, tend to be top four defensemen when they're not? I mean, it's Pissick's a healthy scratch and has been for a couple games now. Yep. Like, I never thought. I, I expect that to change with the, the way right. Petrovic skated last night or right. know, but, you know, still like, last you, night, really. At the beginning of the year, if I told you that P- Pissick would get injured, and then would sit out four to five games when he returned healthy because for no, I mean, it's not like the D were playing great. Yeah. I, but you, you know, but it was the typical yeah. Panthers. They keep winning. They're not going to change the lineup. And, you know, that's why I think too, they can't, you know, they have in the recent years, but I think they changed some stuff up during that, but they can't really get over five game win streaks and stuff, four games, five games, because they keep that same lineup and teams can prepare for it, you know, over they don't throw anything new at a different team. Uh, and just one not point, only that, and just one, one point I wanted yeah. to make. I know we're not the biggest fans of them, but I'm wondering if last night uh, the just terrible play by the defense had anything to do with there not really being a defensive coach uh, on the bench. You know, like I said, we're not the biggest fans of Capuano. We don't think his defensive schemes really the best. Um, but last night, the defense, at least in the second and third period, were totally unready for... I mean, you think Columbus, the one thing that jumps out at you, they're fast. They come at you hard, and and, and they don't stop coming. Uh, and our defense was completely unprepared for that when they were up, you know, 2 nothing. And they, you got to know Columbus is flying forward at you when they're down by two goals. That's all they do. Yeah, I, and I think they got a little too complacent, and they were adjusted. They were like, oh, they got the flu, Bob's not in, Panarin's not in, we're up to nothing, we're getting some power plays. But they forgot that, you know, the pendulum swings the other way. The power plays are coming back the other way. Um, that John Torella is not a guy who's going to let him take a night off. Like, you no, should just not, know. When it's 2 nothing who, after 1, he's not going to roll back. over and die. I've never seen Tortorella roll over and die when it was 5 nothing against. Yeah, he, he <laughs> you know? give... He would give the whole, you know, the stomach bugs uh, an awful long way from the heart. Yeah. Uh, broke speech and, like, throw a table or something, even though it's, you know, the beginning of the regular season. I mean, this is Tor- – it's John Tortorella. I mean, you don't have to keep going. I thought – I was actually going to say the first four periods under McFarland on the back end were probably the better four, four periods of the whole season for the defense with the way they communicated, the way they moved the puck and how simple their game was. It was just in and out, in and out, in and out. Um, it was once things hit a, hit a bad patch, they didn't know what to do. Well, now, they I, weren't not, very challenged against the I Flyers, think, but that to me is kind of, uh, you know, I think our it. announcers said it last night too, that, the Flyers game was played mainly between the blue lines, and that should be a strategy for the Panthers defensively. Uh, it seems they always, like we talked about before, they lose their heads when they have get pinned down in their own zone for too long. They don't know where they're going. They, they don't cover back home base, and they end up giving up goals or taking penalties. Uh, it They should take an approach out of the Carolina Hurricanes book and 
you know, do your best to to play between the blue lines and get the puck deep on the offensive end and, and get it on the forecheck. And that's how Carolina has been successful, uh, at least defensively for the last couple years now. They, I, you know, it's kind of a boring style now and then, but, you know, especially against a team that's so fast like Columbus, you can't let them come through the neutral zone with possession and speed. I agree. And, it was maddening when, at the beginning of the season, Capuano and Bugner were talking about how the biggest need is to spend less time in the D zone. And, yes, they aren't giving up that many shots last year and this year, but the zone time and, and, and you know, it's it's crippling their offense. It's, it's killing their momentum in games. It's letting teams come back. It's asking for penalties to kill. I mean, when you don't have the puck, you're more likely to take a penalty, yes. So... Um, there's a lot of issues and it was maddening that they were the way that they concocted at the beginning of the season to avoid this was when they get the puck to just go straight up the ice and get out of the zone, not let's get the puck back quicker. Not how do we get the puck back quicker? Not how do we stop them from getting in the zone? How do we not give up the puck? It was once they do give us the puck, once they let allow us to have the puck, Okay, that that's maybe me being a little bitchy there, but it's we're just gonna get the puck and go sh- straight up the ice, and you can see it this year. Their breakout passes are a lot of almost buddy passes through you know the early part of the neutrals around through or the later part long, of the D zone, or just long or stretches long to the to the blue line yeah. to tip in. It's, and, and I think that ended up being at least one of the goals last night against Columbus. Uh, the the D got the puck up quick and went for a change and. and we turn the puck over too quick. Columbus is right back on our, you know, down our throat. And is that, it's just, I think that's just another piece of evidence that Bob Bugner and company do not have the hockey sense or the, or the experience or whatever you want to call it to get the job done with this particular squad at this moment. Playoffs is necessary this year. Playoffs is necessary next year. They got to be winning playoff series next year. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, they should be. They're winning supposed to be winning playoff series this year. This year, and you can't be waiting for Bob Bugner to figure out and Jack Capuano to figure out the the best thing to do to avoid the issue of too much zone time is to cut off the neutral zone, is to not let them get into the D. Well, and especially not let them if you're not going to move any defensemen, because that's the biggest concern now is you have too many defensemen that are. That are similar. You you have last night you had uh, Ekblad, Yandel, Matheson, and Wegar who've been playing for the last five six games. They're all the same type of defenseman. They're you know they all want to do the same thing, and that's where the pairings kind of get into disarray because you end up having to play two similar defensemen together, and that pair is always the worst. When it was Yandel Ekblad, that pair was always the worst. Uh, Yandel or Ekblad Matheson has done a little better than Yandel Ekblad, but it's still if only because Matheson has more skating, so he can buy the pair more time. He can recover from things a little better because let's yeah, just face but, it, he can pivot better than Yandel. And, but can, I but I'd argue yeah. he makes uh, worse decisions with the puck. He's given away a couple for yes for with the puck this and, year. Yeah. With the puck this year, for sure. I mean, I think Yandel's looked a lot better. Like, I mean, if you look at Yandel's ice time, last 
like 10 games. Daniel's ice time has dropped off 8, 10 minutes. And it's been the best thing for the power play because now he's not exhausted yeah, on he's the power fresh. play. Well, and exactly. Like he's, uh, his you know, best minutes are coming on the power play, which is, hey, and, this and is this what we and this year, I'm more willing to excuse some of his lapses on defense at even strength because he's at least putting up the points. He's at least and, doing what he was was brought in to do. He's leading he's the team in points, and he, yeah, and he's not the guy that they're relying on. So you know, when he's the second pair defenseman playing with Petrovic, uh, and he gets beat, uh, okay, you know, as long as he continues. I mean, he's got what 13 points or something in the last. 13 games or, or, you know, he's playing well enough that it's excusable this year. Right. I mean, I don't have, I mean, there's, there's always things like, you know, when Ackblad makes it past. I'd argue probably the only reason he's a minus if he is a minus this year is because most of his points are on the power play. But again, you know, I'm fine with that. The power plays looked really good the last four or five games. Uh, and that's starting to turn around, and that's why you brought. Because he doesn't stand on. as he he moves more in the power play. He's not standing still <laughs> he's because got more he's got energy. more energy. <laughs> and, and and you know, I I don't think when Petrovic's at his best, he's a solid pair pairing with Yandel. But I don't th- like uh, you, we got to do better than this if we're gonna make it far in the playoffs because you like. Because the fact of the matter Petrovic, is, you still won five games in a row and barely moved up the standings, and you need to do it again now. And that's been the bugaboo with this team for years: is they fall behind, they they do, do well because... enough to get back into the conversation, but never take that next jump. And that's what you need to see over the next five games. They need to put that loss behind them and get right back at it and win another five in a row. And then we can start talking about, okay, maybe this team is is actually where we need to be. And I think you could even argue, if you had lost a little better last night, that it wasn't a big deal. But getting blown out to a team that doesn't have their, their top scorer, that doesn't have their starting goaltender. I mean, Corpus Allo was giving up three, four goals a game uh, on his goals against average. And you hit that, but you got to keep seven out of your net. And that, you know, that was the biggest issue, and it's not Luongo's fault. Uh, I don't think he had his best game, but that's going to happen. The guy's 40 years old. He's going to have a game Wait. off here and there. And and, and really, what do you want him to do on, on three of the breakaways? Uh, you know, the the first one, especially the Dubois basic empty netter, Luongo has to come out and get that puck because Petrovic is standing there flat-footed, just completely unready Turning to play. Uh, Another theme from that pairing last night was pivoting the wrong way. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. I think the issue is you need to put in serious runs. You need to put in five here, four here, six here, and you can't drop that much in between. It's got to only be one in a, one, at yeah. most two in a row. But and, the thing and, is you and if you lose it, two or three in a row, at least two, you know, at least one of them better be a point in overtime. And they better be the Western Conference teams. And, you know, like, you can't, you can't, how can you win that many in a row when you're relying on Petrovic to be playing his best hockey all those games in a row as a top four defenseman when he's borderline doing that on a non-playoff team? He's borderline top four on a non-playoff team. And that's the difference between great great coaches and average coaches. A, A great coach 
would see over the last couple games, all right, Petrovic's fading a little bit. I'll swap him out for Pizik. Uh, next let game. him rebuild some strength. You know, yeah. Yeah, some energy. Let, let yeah. him take it in from the press box. Give him a rest because he's playing more minutes than, than he's used to. Uh, you know, that's where a great coach, even though they've won four or five in a row, switches up the lineup just a little bit to give a fresh look. Keep every and, and that's the other thing. Now, now Pizik's going to come back in. He hasn't played in eight games, and he's going to take two games to to get back to where he needs to be. Yeah, and then and you don't and, then and you don't really and have that gonna, luxury. They're I mean, going to put I'm, in Max and Mammon in. They're going to put Mammon in for somebody, right? They're going to put take Vetrano out, or they're going to bench Vetrano, punish Malgin sh- or something. It should be it and should Mammon's, be Troy Brower because uh, uh, Vetrano has been playing phenomenal. Here's the I, thing: I have no issue with the Brower, way Frank They give Brower, they give Cedar the empty net points. So you you're like, oh well, they got some points in the last couple of games. You can't sit them. And, and the it's like, fact yeah, of the matter well, is, you're, I'm sitting you're, here you're looking at somebody off the ice. What are your What are your thoughts on Lamico? I mean, I I got into a little thing the other day with some of the. Um, oh man, I think this is the year that's going to break me. Florida <laughs> Florida Panthers fans, including people who do coverage, honestly do not know how to watch and evaluate players. Do not know how to look at a team dynamic and see what's broken and how to fix it. And they they can't even tell whether teams are playing good and bad. All they can t- do is react to what the fa- the organization and the franchise and, tells and them it, or does. And it seems That's like they, they can't do. they can't take anything into consideration. I, I mean, no, yeah, no Lamico. I think it was last night against Columbus. Uh, I think he was late in a shift. Didn't back check hard enough and, and ended up his man scored a goal, and yeah, you know it's a mistake. That's Lamico's fault, but you expect that the guy's just learning the NHL game. You you know, and that's where we always come back to. This is why it's so important to get these guys preseason time and get them odd games here and there in the NHL when you can, instead of calling up Anthony Greco or or you know someone who's really not gonna make the team. Bring up a guy like Lamico. Let him fill into the system. Let him let him learn, you know, game by game two years ago. So then when he comes up this year and is a full-time player, is ready to go. I think he's played phenomenal. I think he's been, I mean, clearly the best fourth-line center we've had in uh, years. Uh, it, it's just he's young. He's going to take some time to, you know, he's going to make mistakes here and there. And he's fourth-line, so it shouldn't hurt him too bad. Unfortunately, it did last night, but... Uh, you know, he's playing eight minutes a night, so it's you know it's going to take him a, a while to to build up that that experience. And, 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 and like you said, if they if they spotted him a little more, and like there's nothing wrong, like he doesn't have to play every game. You have so many centers, like Vitrano can move down play fourth line center. You can give Lamico a night off and stuff. Like we are advocating for better development. We want mom and playing more. We want guys. Well, and that's the thing to too. I, I think Lamico too would look better and have more points. If you put him in a position to produce more, if you gave him wingers that were going to score, if you gave him mammon and Sevier all the time, he might do better. I mean, yeah, sure. His first points on a Troy Bauer goal, but how, how much quicker would that have come if he was playing with, uh, you know, Vetrano and, and Mammon because Borgstrom's up on the third line. <laughs> right. Right. And, and you know, 
touching on something we said, you know, they got to keep winning. I'm looking at the standings right now. Pittsburgh is last place in the Eastern Conference right now. So, you know, that's going to change. Teams below you, New Jersey's right, you know, tied with them and the Panthers in points with 17 points. If you don't think Pittsburgh is going to make a run and, and, you know, knock some teams down, uh, Detroit had a terrible start to the year, but they've turned it around a little bit. They're a point ahead of the Panthers. Ottawa's still two points ahead of the Panthers. It, it's not easy going in the in the Eastern Conference. And unfortunately, unless you do get, you know, another five, six game win streak and then maybe lose one, hopefully in overtime, pick up a point and then win another four in a row. That's the kind of runs you need, especially after you threw October away. Okay, so let's do this one time. Let's give a real argument why banking on games in hand isn't something that they should expect to do or isn't good or why it's so much harder to make up ground with games in hand than it seems off the cuff. And then the rest of the year, we'll just laugh about it and make, oh, but what about the games in hand remarks? (laughs) Because it's getting to the point where already in November, fans are telling me, don't worry, there's problems. Oh, yeah, they only have one goalie who could break down any moment, and then the season's over. But, you know, games in hand. So why are games in hand not that great? Well, the problem is they typically aren't, you know, it's not just like the next game is the game in hand. It's not like they're playing three games in a row where no other team is playing, so they're picking it up immediately. They can come whenever, and you still have to win those games. So even though, you know, when Boston's off, you still got to win that game. And frankly, those games in hand are usually the odd days. So the game in hand will be Friday, and then you have a game Saturday. So guess who's starting Friday? Probably Reimer. Or knowing them, they'll play Luongo first, and then the better team on Saturday will get Reimer. Uh, it, it, you know, so it's not just, okay, yeah, but if we win the next three games we're back to normal. Well, no, everyone else is playing. Everyone else is winning. Uh, Frankly, with the Panthers, we play worse against teams lower in the standings. And those are the games you cannot lose. Uh, You know, you look at Toronto last night, they're playing San Jose without Austin Matthews and still find a way to win. Uh, They're going to keep winning. Tampa Bay is going to keep winning. So not only do you need to keep winning on pace with them, you also now need to win these three extra games that could come at any time in the season. It could come when you're in a in a in a downswing, when you're in a slump. Uh, it could come when Barkov's hurt, God forbid, this season, or when Luongo's hurt again. It, it's not it, it's not good to rely on. Yeah, well, you know, we got three games in hand. We saw that last year. We had three games in hand and played Boston three times. We might have won our three games in hand, but we lost our three games to Boston, and so you're still six points down. Exactly. And that's been, and throughout the years, that's been the Panthers' problem with the schedule is they can beat every other team, but when it comes to Boston or Philadelphia last year or or lately Columbus or Columbus, who you're fighting a wild card spot for, great, you beat Ottawa and Detroit. But when you lose to Boston, you're dropping those four points again. And that's the thing I think people don't 
understand is that, you know, when Boston beats Florida, it's not a two-point game. Boston gets four points out of that because not only, you know, they get two points and two more points on the Panthers. And if you need to think about it in a very simple term, think of it like baseball. Games in hands are, you know, half games. The team's a half game back. And, you know, if you have a couple of them, they add up to, you know, a, a couple wins. So, you know, think of it as a game and, in hand, three games and, in hand. That's like, all right, that's one and a half wins, maybe kind of, if possibly. And you that's know, assuming... At best, and that's assuming you're not you're not going to overtime, you know. You can beat a team like Boston, but if you beat them in overtime, you're only picking up one point on them. So you're not moving anywhere in the standings. That brings me up to the next point, and that is if we're looking at just points, Panthers aren't that bad. Yeah, you're talking that they're still out of the playoffs. But, if, I mean, if you're looking at it, they're not that bad on just points alone. But if you look at wins, if you look at rows, regulation and overtime wins, um, you start to see that the Panthers are actually a little further back. And that's more indicative, uh, I think, of of the team than, than just the points. You know, loser points aren't really... Um, especially when you're giving up the lead. Yeah, and especially, you know, your, your division, you got... And getting those loser points, it's not... They're not you got a team like Toronto, play. who's 13-6 and six with 13 rows. Uh, they're now 8-0 and oh when they scored the first goal. You know... How many how many rows does, does Florida have, and how many wins? They have uh, six rows on seven wins. Okay, and how many how many games in hand does Florida have on Toronto? Three. So Toronto okay, so will still have best, four more four. rows. Yeah. yeah. And and that's what – and, you know, so at points it's a little closer, right? But oh, and, and I think, too, what, what kind of annoys me about that is, you know, we're in a similar point situation that, that Chicago was when they decided to fire the best coach in the game. Yeah, Chicago had 15, still out Chicago there, had fifteen points in fifteen games when they fired Glenville. You know, I'm not saying fire Bugner. Maybe you know, maybe I am. Well, you're definitely but, saying fire Capuano. But you know, if I'm you saying can find a warm body who knows anything about and, defense. And this <laughs> is the problem uh, with the Panthers and their fans and everything is you're telling the fans that you're all right being five hundred. You're all right getting. You know, you're on pace for just over 82 points this season. You're telling the fans you're all right with that. You don't want to make any changes. In the year, in the, I mean, again, this is the this is the year that was billed as no, this guys, this is really the step forward year. This is the year we're really going to meet in the playoffs. We're really going to do it. You know, we get that told that oh, the young guys are playing. You know, we're really moving forward. And you see, you know. 10% change. And 10%, you see, and you see we're, we're behind in the standings on two teams that were supposed to have rebuilding really tough seasons in Ottawa and Detroit. Yeah, and I mean, you can even say Montreal to a certain extent. And you could make fun of them all you want, uh, especially over the last five years when they should have been doing better. But Buffalo turned the corner this year. They, you know, no, they finally did it. 
So that's just another team you're competing against, and you don't have the luxury of, of falling this far behind. You know, even if you, you even even if you win your two games in hand against Buffalo, you're still not ahead of them. What do you do? Like, where's the pressure on in the organization? Uh, where are the moves that you can make right now without you know? Because you don't want to you don't want to panic. Obviously, you don't want to throw give away too much. You don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater just for this year because you're building towards something. Obviously, but you know, like Chicago, like L.A., like the some of these ch- teams, like Pittsburgh, uh, you know. Rutherford, when things aren't going well, accountability has to be levied somewhere. I think the biggest pressure this year goes to Dale Talon. Uh, I love the guy. I love what he did for this team. Uh, but just like in Chicago in 2010, it seems like he is one step away. And he's uh, whether he's afraid to make the move and... and uh, you know, make a mistake, or whether he's being handcuffed and not allowed to make the move, no matter what it is, or he doesn't know the move, no matter what it is, he has he's on the hot seat the most. It's him and, and the coaching staff uh, that have the most pressure, I think. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to get rid of Bugner this year, uh, so maybe less so for him. But Dale Talon, this is his year. He He needs to do something to put this team over the edge. Because it's clear that the players they have is a wild card berth at best. They're they're an average team at best, uh, and they need to they need one piece, whether it be another goaltender or, or a, you know a really good defenseman or maybe even just some more goals. Uh, whatever it is, he needs to identify and address that situation. And uh, unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. But it, you know, it should have been by by Thanksgiving, like like we always say. Obviously, you think that Bugner is going to finish the year here, and uh, he might not be on the hot seat for his job, but I think he's definitely on the hot seat to um, move the group in in the right direction and and to start showing some gains and and some consistency. How would you advise Bugner to to get consistency or with this team or or if you were in his shoes what would you do to get a better product on the end well i think one you got to do more you got to rotate more in and out you got to keep the guys fresh um i I think sometimes he does a good job and sometimes he doesn't uh, of riding the hot hand uh you know the last couple games he's done it with petrano who's played really well over the last three or four games and you can see it in his ice time uh he gets important minutes uh he, he's what makes that third line able to go out on the ice in a one goal game. Uh, you know, cause he's him and Bukestad, I guess, but they're the big threats that, you know, they still think they can score a goal while they're on the ice. Uh, you know, I would still like to see more, uh, in game management of the lines of, you know, it's a one-goal game, fourth line's up, but maybe throw Barkov out with Lamico and, and Sevier and, and put Brower on the bench or Huberto or anyone. Um, and, and I think the biggest thing right now is finding a way to get Vincent Trocek going because he hasn't done anything in the last whole season. 
Uh, and I was going to say last couple games, but he hasn't really done much uh, at all this season. He's, I, I, I don't know what his problem is, but you got to get him going. And whether that's, you know, one idea we floated, whether that's putting him on Barkov's wing and letting someone else play second line center, uh, whether it's, you know, giving him the minutes to kind of get through the slump, if you think that's going to work. Uh, but you, you got to do something to get him going because that's, it's, you know, the first line's going out playing really well, picking up points left and right. Trocek's line's getting the, the second most minutes, and they're just not there yet. And then that third line's coming out, and they're playing pretty well. Uh, you know, I don't know if you demote Trocek and call him the third line uh, or what right now, but if you want to make the playoffs, you need that line particularly going with, you know, in addition to the first and third lines, which are already rolling. Would you be willing to try Dadnov with Trocek? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Dadnov, his point streak finally got snapped last night, I believe, but I, that guy's lights out. Um, and I think he fits well with Trocek in that, you know, kind of like Barkov, Dadnov's all right with, with someone else carrying the puck and doing the majority of the work as long as he can get open for a shot. Uh, and Trocek's very much that kind of guy and, uh, even Huberto is more of a setup man, and I think that's where that second line's kind of falling flat right now is they don't have anyone to finish. They're getting chances, you know, they're getting close, and usually Trocek finishes, but he's not this year. You've got to find a way to get that second line goals because you know that Barkov and, and right now Hoffman are not going to slow down. Yeah, I mean, if for me with Trocek, I, I honestly don't know what to do. Um, I, I mean, really, too. Call up Borkstrom. Either either give him the second line minutes over over Trocek, or let him play with Trocek. Let you know, get some new life on the team. Get Trocek more creative. Uh, you know, give the opposing team's defenseman just one more guy to think about on the ice. Maybe create some more room. Uh, you know, even if Trocek's not scoring or, or even getting assists, if he's helping set up plays that are ending up in the back of the net. I, I don't care about his point total. But right now, that second line's just not doing anything. Yeah. Trocek's got to get a little more cerebral. He's got to move the puck a little quicker. And I think, you know, maybe the best way to do that is to put him on a line with Barkov because there's one person that Trocek will listen to, will defer to, will want to show up for. It, it's Barkov. So, and, and I mean, it's, just the way he talks about him. So I think that might be. And, and it's not All even a plan. lack of chances for him either. You know, he's got no. plenty of opportunities. He's just missing the net when he usually doesn't. Uh, he's putting it right at the goalie when he, you know, usually picks a corner, or at least makes a better effort. Uh, I don't know if he's just squeezing his stick too tight or what, but uh, he is one that definitely needs a, a turnaround, and the sooner we get it, the better. Unfortunately... There doesn't look like there's going to be many avenues to uh, turn around the crease situation. Um, there's been a few injuries around the league in net, as you'd expect this time of year. Um, this is something that usually happens, and it, it's funny. It's why we suggest always making the needed upgrades before the season starts instead of you know after the season starts. But uh, how necessary? Is it to change their backup goalie? Is this something that they can 
wait around and, and hope that when some of these injuries um, return, some of these guys return from injuries, there's going to be somebody on waivers and that they can at least improve the third spot. At least, you know, um, maybe well, have it not be Hutchinson coming up, maybe. Well, I think that's uh, the thing. Somebody it, else. It, it's not, you know, totally necessary to find the, uh, you know, long-term solution to that problem. Uh, but in my opinion, it is way beyond the time to try anything and everything else. Uh, no matter what, any goalie on waivers or any goalie that's made available if I'm the Panthers, I'm taking it, and if it doesn't work, wave them and try again. Uh, you know, we've seen that strategy employed by teams throughout the league, and it, and it works. It, it's it, If guys aren't going to play and, and they're not going to be, you know, where you need them to be, you need to cut them. And, and you know, it's a business. Uh, I hate that that's always used as a excuse for why they traded away a you know a star player or, or a fan favorite, and it's never the excuse for uh, you know cutting guys that that aren't good or sending them down to the minors that that aren't cutting it. Uh, that those types of players always seem to hang around, and it's never a business for them. It's you know loyalty and and all that, especially in the Panthers organization. And I get it. Reimer's contract is hefty, uh, but that's kind of your own fault, and, and I have no sympathy, uh, and especially when we've heard time and time again since the new owners took over that uh, money's not an issue, prove it. Reimer's numbers, uh, when you aggregate them over the, his tenure with the Panthers, and you look at them, they can, at his best, he's average. He's a He's an NHL average goalie. And, and to me, with the needs behind Luongo, with the fact that Luongo maybe can play 40, 45 games a year, you need something more than that. You can't have somebody who's only been average in backup or partial time. You or can't. You, or you who's in his can, 30s. You at least you need can somebody if one of if the biggest... Well, if one of the biggest things that, that I've noticed about the Panthers and their coaching staff over the last several coaches and last several seasons, they they are unable to identify, you know, must-win games and, and, and all that. If you're going to keep Reimer, at least look ahead at the schedule and say, okay, we're playing this team. He's got really good career numbers against them. You know, even though Luongo's only started twice in a row and had three days off, uh, this game is going to go to Reimer, so then Luongo can play the next four because they're all against playoff teams or something like that. Uh, you know, that's been one of my biggest things uh, over the years. You've seen it in games against the Bruins and everything where Reimer's played or, uh, you, you know, they just have a problem identifying the must-win games, the games that you need to to show up and be ready to play. Uh, and, you know, to me that's – one of the biggest parts about coaching is uh, I watched, you know, I got into baseball a lot this season. And, and one of the things they always say is, look, it's a 162 game season. You're going to lose. Uh, and it's the same in the NHL. It's an 82 game season. You're not going to go 82 and 0. you're going to lose some games, but you need to mitigate the damage in those losses. You need to not string together losses uh, and you'll be fine. But it always seems like the Panthers, press their luck too much on win streaks or whatever, you know, hot streaks with players. One game too far. 
you know, they'll they'll put Reimer in, he'll shut out the team the first game, uh, you know, maybe squeak out like a five four overtime win the next game, but since he's two and oh, they'll play him a third game and it gets torched. You know, that as a coach has to be okay, you know, he got us two wins, but he didn't look great in that second one. He's done you know, he's gotta be on the bench. Very good point. It's uh there's a lot to handle to take it to take this Florida Panthers team from an average team, which they are, to a team that can be in the playoffs every year, that can be expected to win games. And, you know, they're not going to be having these portions of the year where they start off so far behind the eight ball. And, it, you know, it may seem sometimes that we're a little hard on coaching, but, you know, there is no reason with the talent on this team that they should be where they are. It, it has to be coaching. I think that there's a lot that can set, be said for, um, I mean, like you said, if they replace Reimer with a better backup goalie, I don't think that they're this bad in the moment either. So, I mean, it, while it's definitely on Bugner, there is, like you said, a lot of pressure on talent because there's evidence that maybe the mix isn't right either. That, um, you know, the goalie situation we've talked about, and that's just a skill issue. But on the D end, there might be a middle mix issue. And, and you know, you're the man, you're the general manager, and you don't want to micromanage your coach and everything. But, you know, maybe but, you got to But you get the like, say on hey, roster decisions and, and all that. That, that you know, yeah, at I'm some calling... point, you just have to say, you know what? I know you like Troy Brower, and I know you want to play him, but I got to send him down, and I'm bringing up Borkstrom. Yeah, or, you know, I'm bringing McDonald's still playing good. I'm bringing him back up. These guys aren't doing good. Or, like, you know, I'm going to waive Mark Pissick, or I'm going to trade Alex Petrovic because I don't, I'm not, I don't want to give you an option. I mean, and, and how often have you been trying to trade Petrovic? Like, let's just get it over with. Yeah. Trade for his fourth because he's not signing at the end of the year. Like, it's not going anywhere. Let's just trade him for that mid to late round pick or the future considerations or whatever crap we would get so someone else can play because it's not working out. I mean, there's a real disconnect between how to construct a defense, what a defense should be doing on the ice at any given moment, how they should contribute to the offense, how they should, how long shifts they should take, who should be coming off the ice first. Stuff like that is just, it's, I think it is the exact opposite of what I see other NHL teams do, the teams I prefer to watch do, and what I've done in my whole hockey life. And I don't think it's because they're doing anything new, trying anything progressive, trying to change the game or reinvent the wheel. It's because they're doing the things that you're told not to do. Well, and I think, too, you know, they have systems and they don't tailor their systems to to what they have on the roster. Their their coaches have their systems and that's the system. Uh, And good coaches and good teams tailor their systems based on who they have. Uh, Toronto, for example, is not going to play a shutdown defensive style. They don't have the defense for it. I think they have about one defenseman on the ice that can throw a hit. Uh, Their game is 
guys like Morgan Riley who can skate, like the Panthers try to do, get the puck up ice, get you get up ice, and we'll play defense by having the puck in the offensive zone. Yeah, and, that, the, and that's where you know a lot of bad Mike goals. Riley, Mike Riley, when he crosses the blue line, Morgan. Jukes can get or yeah, whatever. Mike Riley, Morgan Riley, they're all not on my team, unfortunately. So they're not improving my situation. Uh, they can cross the blue line, they can get to the middle, and they can play with an, a forward m- mentality, right? The Panthers D, they can't. They're asked to lug the puck up the ice and, and do these things, and then they, as soon as they get below the dots or below the tops of the circles, they start fanning out to the boards looking for, looking for a floater pass towards the crease or a shot to, like, into, like, the glove. Which is fine, but then they either don't get back quick enough or turn the puck over before it gets across the ice. and That's fine, but, you, but the offense is created around shots, and zone entries and everything coming through defense. So if they have no offensive bones, I mean, Keith Yandel is, has a lot of good offensive instincts and everything, but like, and Eklund has some pretty good ones, but like Matheson was supposed to, but it's never shown at the NHL. Well, and, it, and it's more, they have no the shots and they have the ability to do that from the blue line. But the difference is Morgan Riley can carry the puck and make a move across the blue line. Like he's a forward. And, yeah, and, and, and yeah, whether it's you know stick length or or they just don't have the hands, they can't. Uh, I think it's I think for Yandel, it's he's always flat footed. He doesn't have the mobility. Not that he's a bad skater and he can skate quickly and he wants to skate. He's just well, and he's and he's always old. he moving. can't he can't do that twenty five <laughs> yeah. minutes a night anymore. He can do it fifteen, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it, what they should be looking for is. They should be looking for D, but they, they have some D who can do this. I mean, they have the D personnel. I don't think they need to do anything but switch the pairings and tell the D you get the puck. One thing and- I would like to see would be uh, maybe move out one of the more offensive defensemen for a, for a more defensive defenseman. Well, I mean, I think by next year that's going to happen. I mean, I think at ne- – First of all, if Ian McCoshin's not on this team next year, he'll never be on the team. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying to get to that point. And I think his agent's probably saying the same thing. Um, or he's telling his agent the same thing. Um, and, and I think that'll help. I mean, I think he should maybe get some looks right now, too. You have a lot of points, but I think Pissick's going to be gone. I think I think as soon as... I, as soon as Petrick started playing a little better and could show that he he could literally play as good as Pissick in those same minutes, and like the, Pissick became a replaceable which, which, player, which is crazy that it took him that long anyway. Because but, Petrovic and Pissick were the best pair on our team as a third pair, and, and you know, and they might it, it, it was fifty percent. You know, both brought something to the table. I wouldn't be surprised if you put him back on the third pair that they wouldn't have that success. I mean, it's just they're not. They're being put in the spots where they're not um, designed and, to, you know, to a point we made earlier, we were kind of, you know, uh, you know, saying it's Dale Talon's responsibility to go do something. Uh, as much as that's like, go the, get me Elander. As much as that's the case, uh, I still am willing to give him the benefit of the doubt that he's doing his best and he has things up his sleeve. He gets shot down from above him. Uh, and that is the big thing that needs to change for me. 
it is the ownership completely unwilling to do what it takes to move up in the standings. Uh, we still don't spend enough money. You know, we're still hearing about deals getting squashed down because they don't want to pay someone to not play on their team or whatever. Uh, at some point, you need to enter the big leagues. You're with the big boys now. Uh, you know, you're competing against a team that's owned by Comcast. They're going to spend money, and you need to, to do the same. You're not going to see uh, the Tampa Bay, the 04 Tampa Bay Lightning with the lowest payroll in the league win the Stanley Cup anymore. It's just that that's not how it works. The teams that are always left at the end are the ones that spend the most money. The Panthers are doing a very good job of inflating their cap hit this year um, with injured guys. Uh, obviously, McKenzie and McGinn, that's about $5 million in cap space right there. That's not on long-term injured reserve. Um, so, you know, it's set the, they have 2.2 projected cap space right now. Well, you know, 4.7 is Jamie McGinn and Derek McKenzie, which, come on, they shouldn't be on the roster anyway, so that yep. shouldn't count. Um, and then you and, got you know, Michael Haley, who's not going to play had, the rest of the season. Well, here's the thing. Michael Haley is on loan in the AHL and is playing on conditioning stint. So he could very well be playing in the NHL very soon, and Bob Booner could be more so back on his bullshit. And, and this is the thing. It, they need to start cycling through. All right, you did you did good. You got Nauman on. You got Malgin in the lineup. You got Vetrano in the lineup. We were worried that you weren't going to be able to fit Vetrano in the lineup. All right, now let's start funneling it through. You saw that what the mix that you entered the season with isn't good enough. At best, it's good enough to be a bubble team and probably miss the playoffs. Why do you want that? Let's keep shoveling guys through. I mean, there's and, no and, reason. You know, and I don't want to hear the uh, it's time to sit Malgin or, or these guys that aren't producing uh, you know, where people expect them to. Uh, especially after Mike Hoffman was completely awful the first three games of the season uh, and is now, you know, on a 14-game point streak. Sometimes, it, you know, you just got to work through it. it. The goals will come. The points will come. Uh, Dennis Malgin looks it, pretty good the last a, few games. It's a lot easier to keep it rolling and start to accumulate points when you're in the lineup every night and getting chances. When you sit guys because they haven't produced – a, it's not fair to the other guys. It, you know, it's not fair to them because you're, you know, you refuse to sit a guy like Trocheck for not producing. Uh, you know, it, it, nothing good can come of it. And, and what we mean by producing, it's physically not scoring. It's playing well despite not. Like we're saying, Malgin's producing. He's playing well. He's just not scoring. It's different than say a Matheson who's not playing well and not scoring. But so, even, like when, and even Madison, you know, I thought he looked better the last couple games. He needed to play a bit out of his funk, and, and you can't play think, out of it when you're scratched. And But I think that flies – I mean, I don't think you want to have that hard line. I think that's what the Panthers do. They have that hard line. Matheson will never sit out a game. I think it's different. Like, Brower should be sitting out a game because he's not producing. Matheson yep. is not playing well. He should sit out a game or two. Not – I think, you know, it's not – it shouldn't be this – Nasty mammon thing where you get out of the lineup and then you're stuck to and out of the lineup and for especially when you know you hear all the time from players, especially younger guys, 
you know, they get scratched. You know, they're playing well. They're not producing whatever. Uh, they get scratched and they say, yeah, you know, looking at the game from the press box, it, it, it helps. Uh, and that's – it's not a punishment sometimes. Sometimes it's, hey, you know, take a minute. You're not seeing the ice right. Take a game. Go, you know, go upstairs. Watch. See where the lanes are. And, and then next game you'll be back. It, it, it doesn't always have to be a punishment. It can be a productive scratch. Man, this team is infuriating. Well, and, and not getting a goalie is going to end up really hurting because if you – if you got a goalie in the offseason that was good enough to be back up this year and maybe be a starter if he had to next year with with maybe Reimer backing up, you could have told Luongo you can retire, whatever, because after this year, you're taking some salary back. If you retired at the end of this year, it, it would be all Vancouver. Uh, and, and with his injuries, his age, I know you want him to play. I'm sure he wants to play, but you say, Lou you're hurt three times a year you're 40 you got kids we can't win with you you know if you i mean like the thing is they should have like he needs to, he's the backup goalie he can you can he can be the one b but you need to go get the one a because yep. he can't i mean yes he can be a 950 goalie for 35 40 games but that's it so you got to go find the other games and you got to find someone who can win you a playoff series if he's hurt for all playoffs. And, and frankly, he can only do that 40 games because he's going to be hurt for 20 of them. I think yeah, I, I think he could a, do it longer. It's just he's not healthy and in the lineup long enough to, to there's do There's a real there's a real critique of our bitching, which is the goalie market's just not there. And, you know, that's very true, but there's Make an it. easy there's an easy answer to that. Samuel Montembeau. Yep. Make it. Or that, too. You know, it's the same thing we hear with trades. Oh, the market's not there. It's not a good time. Well, like well if, figure something out. It's never a good time. And, if, and, that, and that's what I hate about that excuse. Oh, well, the offseason's not a good time. We want to start the season with, with who we got, see what we got, whatever. Middle of the season, oh, it's not really a good time. You know, we're playing all right, plus the market's just not really there. Trade deadline comes and goes. Yeah, well, you know, we're we're in the hunt. The prices wanna... are too high. The yeah, prices, prices are too high. high. We're in the hunt. We didn't want to make too many changes, and then suddenly it's the off season again. Oh, we want to see what we got. It's never a good time to make a trade. It's never a good time to to, to change your roster. But it, at some point, it's got to happen. And again, it's the teams at the top are the ones that do that. The ones that make it happen. And if that means maybe you add something extra to the trade that you didn't really want to just to get it done, that's what you do. Because especially you're getting to a point – it's not like teams aren't aware of other teams' situations. Everyone's going to ask Florida for that little something extra because they need it. You, you know, if it's say it's for Bobrovsky, Columbus would be out of their minds not to ask for something a little extra because they know they need it. It is – Amazing. Um, I think what could be done if the next and, time Luongo is hurt, instead of Hutchinson coming up, it's Samuel Montempel. And maybe yeah. he doesn't play that first game, and maybe you only play him as a backup. But like we said with Lomiko, like we said with all these guys, if you can fit that one back-to-back game against a bad team, give him that experience, and he, and he plays well, and, then it's like, okay, and, and we can, we can it- use him. And, you and have we've said it so many him. times where 
I'm fine with Montebo making the mistakes Reimer makes. I'm not fine with Reimer making those mistakes. If, Mont- if Montebo gives up a bad goal to his glove that he should have had, okay, he's learning. He'll look at it in video. He'll come back stronger next time. You know, he's still coachable. He's still growing. He's still developing. When Reimer makes that mistake, it's, what are you doing, James? It, you know. I'm looking at the HL stats right now. I've watched a few of their games. I've looked at their lineups. Their lineups are better than last year, but, I mean, there's, yeah, there's still some issues. And, and, but, and, you like, know, I mean, if you're looking at it, if you're looking at it, Jacob McDonald, 10 games played, three goals, five assists, eight points. The and he's, next got, and D, he's got one goal in one game in the NHL. The next D is Bystrom, four points in 13 games. Melchuri, four points in 13 games. Stillman, three points in 12 games. Shemtich, two points in eight games. There's, like, he is by far the best defenseman on that AHL team right now. And and, and, that's, fair, and that's the other thing the Panthers I mean, got to stop worrying about. I mean, it, they if they were worrying about it anyway, they failed. It doesn't matter what your AHL team record is. Who cares? Yeah, because right now their AHL team record's good, but their first line is Zoliner, Chuck, Paul Thompson, and you know Greco or something like that. Borchum's just getting second line time now. Something the, we always like to do when we play the NHL video games is try to win. The, the Stanley Cup and the Calder Cup in the same year. And even we know that that's very difficult because if you're winning the Stanley Cup, most of your good players that would be in the AHL are on the NHL roster. So you don't really have, you know, a good roster in the AHL. And, and yeah, when was the last time uh, teams had it where both of their uh, AHL and NHL teams were very – I think the Penguins uh, when they Winnipeg. were – Winnipeg and the Winnipeg too. Guess why? Because guess how many of the young guys they were playing? They were just riding young guys. It wasn't yep. like, I mean, I gotta tell you something. At one point, Paul Thompson and Harry Zonerchuk are not gonna be point per game players. They just, they just aren't. They've never been. They, they just aren't. And uh, or even we've seen it with a guy like Blair Betts, who is a point per game player throughout his entire AHL career, is terrible in the NHL. And then it, what are you doing? You're just not giving those minutes to who? The guys you expect to call up and be top-end players in the NHL. So where are they supposed to get that experience being top six uh, players in the AHL when, you know, four of the six spots are done to 30-year-old vets who will never be anything? Not even They're not like – I mean, Arizona Truck's not going to be an NHL call-up. And I think you threw it in my face one time uh, when I said, you know, I've always advocated you play guys in the AHL for their role in the NHL, but I am very much against Borgstrom being on the third line in the AHL. And that's because Borgstrom should be a third line NHLer just because of the talent that you have in front of him. You want him to be a first line center, but you got Barkov, so he's not going to be. You got Trocek, so he's not going to be a second line center. Like you still want, but you still want Borgstrom to be a producer, not a third line center. You want him to be a second line center on the third line because that's how good your team is. You don't want him to just be a a thirty point guy uh, on the third line in the NHL. You want him to be a, a fifty point guy on the third line because that you know he's just good. 
right now, I gotta tell you, I don't know if Vincent Trocek's my 2C for eternity at this, no. this moment. So, I, I, listen, the Panthers have a long way to go. I think the five-game win streak, like you said in text to me multiple times, is going to hurt more than is going to do good because they weren't winning for any other reasons than getting saves, and they weren't realizing that and making changes to get better elsewhere. And, um, then you know, Longo comes back and everything's swept under the rug because you're getting the saves again. If I'm being realistic, what are they going to do? Nothing. What can they do? Probably not much. And the things that they can do, they've refused to do, and they've shown no inclination to do. And at this point, I'm starting to wonder, what what is the point of this podcast and all this stuff? Like, what is the point of us watching all these games, giving money to this team, who, um, you know, just frankly... And and, uh, what kills me, I think, is... If we're going to be frank, there's a rumor that may or may not be true, but you hear it from so many people in the know, and you hear it as being up there with the teams that it's probably real. And that's William Nylander, a guy that Talon almost traded Eklat's pick to get, uh, a guy that Talon's a huge fan of and has always really wanted, is available. And if the rumor is true, they won't trade Matheson for Nylander because that's a bridge too far. And, well, and, and that's uh, what kills me it is, you know, they're – again, it, it, it's like bringing up some of these young guys and mistakes. If you do something and it turns out to not be the right move, I can get over that. I can live with it. You tried. But when you don't try and you stand pat year after year, it, it grates on you as a fan of, well, why am I putting in the time – to, to watch these games? Why am I, you know, scheduling my days around 7 o'clock puck drop so I can be home and, and watch when they just don't care? Yeah. And that's when, what kills me. If you trade Matheson for Nylander and it turns out that Matheson in, in, in Toronto is lights out and Nylander doesn't do a whole lot for us, whatever. You tried. That's that's all I want. And, and like I said, you know, we're, we're kind of – we're rougher than we've ever been on Dale Talon this year, but until I see for a fact that it's him and not ownership, I'm going to give him a bit of leeway still. But at the same time, at some point, you just got to... Yeah. They can't po- undo a at, trade call, at, Dale. At they what, can't undo yeah, a trade call what if you point do behind is the back. Your, is, your, uh, is it more worth it to take this risk than, than keep your job? Uh and I don't think he'll get fired for, for making a trade that, that seems a little crazy. But, you know, at, at what point do you just say, you know what? I got to do it. And, yeah, you got to make something and, happen. And, and Go maybe, get a goalie. Go maybe, get a defenseman. Go maybe finalize the trade, do all the paperwork, and then bring it to the owners. And when they say no, say, ooh, well... You know, I thought he's this on was his a way. no-brainer. I thought this was a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. he's on his I mean, way. We did it. So tons of things. I mean, it's not just go make an impetuous trade. You don't have to go get William Nylander. You, like, Daniel Sprong is not being used in Pittsburgh very well. Pittsburgh just made a trade. Maybe they would take a Pissick for Sprong. Maybe they would. And maybe Daniel Sprong's a right-winger that you could – that just maybe – has some value or maybe you can get some value in two years down the line. You could trade him for a good defenseman or something, or at the draft, you trade him for a good defenseman. You got to do something like start 
trying to make the team better. Because it's these are the same guys. These are the same okay. people. You get Joel Quinville's out there. Get him as a coach. See if he'll want to coach after the holidays. See if he wants to coach next right. year. Right. Say, uh, you know, hey, Cap, you know, take time for your health, whatever. We'll put Bootner back on defense and, and hire Quinville to be a head coach. I mean, do something. I mean, there's get a different defensive coach in because you know. And, and I hate the argument of, of you know the money and all that. Oh well, we don't want to fire Bugner because we're paying him three mil for the next three years or whatever. Well, that's your own fault. I why think are, he's, I think he's making like a why, mil a year. For why the are next Why are you signing a coach to that much money? That 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 isn't that good. Or, or, well, I mean, I think it's, uh, he got the – I think it's the years. I think he got five years. I think the well, years – And let's be he honest. He got a million flat, which I think is the going rate for a a coach in the NHL nowadays. And let's um, be honest. If you're Bugner, if you're a potential coach for Florida, knowing what they do to coaches, yeah, I'm asking for a little bit more money. Well, I think Bugner's thing was because he wasn't getting more money. He's like, well, I want the five years. So yeah. when I get fired, I have those years coming to me. Yeah. And I think, you know, he was definitely in the right. And I think Florida had to give it to him. So I'm not, you know, it's a contract, whatever. The thing no, is, Florida it, needs to do is just be like, all right, we'll be willing to pay through it. Yeah, it, exactly. It's not the money or the person. It, it's, yeah, like, you, you need to then, okay, if it's not working, I don't care that I'm paying you a million dollars to sit at home. I'm paying you a million dollars to sit at home. There's no way Jack Capuano's contract's that long, so maybe he can go. I mean, like, That's I mean, a, if they were yeah. able to and, and with his health issues, the, yeah, say, hey, sure. Jack, you, you know, take some time, get healthy. <laughs> I don't really try to bench. Door. Like, like, just anything. Like, it's so frustrating that here we are on a podcast spinning in circles, trying to think of all the different ways to make the team better. And, you know, they have billions of dollars, the power to do it, the assets to do it, and reason to do it, and they haven't for years. And and really, the only types of coaches that should get more than than three years or so are are like Babcock and Quenville. Uh, And and this is a – the Quenville situation is a perfect example why you don't extend too many years to a coach because you never know – who's going to become available and when. And you should always have, you know, at least an upcoming expiring contract on your coaching staff in order to to, to make those changes. It, yeah. Again, Bugner could be one, you know, a great coach, but Quenville's better, and I'd rather he'll have nev- him. He'll never be Quenville. You know, you know, like you never know who's going to become available. And exactly, if, you, if Bugner only had one year left on the contract, Dale Talon could, could call Quenville up and say, "Hey, uh, if you wait till the end of this season, uh, you can, you know, we'll hire you in the off season if something better doesn't come along, or, or you know, whatever." Because I think you could really easily get a coach like Quenville to come to Florida with all the talent and players that we have there. Uh, it would be a no-brainer. It, it would be an e- Quenville would look at that roster and say, "Yeah, I could win another three cups with this roster." But why and, doesn't? And, because and, the, the ownership and the team hasn't presented presented themselves saying that we are actually winners. We are actually going to be doing something here. We're not just hyping it up to sell tickets. And that's what everyone thinks about this ownership in Florida, that they are, for the most part, snake oil salesmen because they're hyping up their intentions. They're hyping up everything they do to bring a winner. 
but they aren't they're not going to market with an actual winner. They're not going to market. It looks like they're sabotaging themselves. I mean, look at, is it no wonder that every year they start out slow with a, with a schedule that they ask to be slow in the beginning of the year because they know they won't sell tickets. So instead of not, instead of just having no one show up at their home games, they limit their games in the beginning of the season. So they don't have to worry about it. Stack them in the spring when te- when people are more likely to be at games and what happens? They start off slow because they don't get any games under their belt, and their coaches suck, so they can't make use of the ample practice time and, they have. And and games in hand or not, it's tough going into the rink every day looking at the standings and seeing you at the bottom. And how hard? And, and like they shot themselves in the foot. How hard is it to sell tickets when you don't have a rookie camp? You don't have a training camp in training camp and preseason. Yep. You're not it, playing Wordstrom. Or, or you play uh, all of time. your preseason games either in Tampa or in Nashville or in Dallas or or in Orlando at the Solar Bears Arena. Uh, how many BB&T games were there in the preseason? Dude, None. Show up and show that you want to be a winner. I'm I'm fucking tired of it. Yeah, and, you know, to your point, they are they are snake oil salesmen because that's exactly what they're doing. It's what they've done the whole time. They've come in, promised changes, blah, 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 and it's been status quo since they took over. It's, been, then, the, it's been the same old stuff. And, and then as soon as they – and then th- when they do change the stuff, all they change is stuff to just trim the budget and payroll and to acquire more power of the hockey-making decisions. That's all the changes were. Yep. That whole that whole fucking thing about like stats and everything, blah blah blah. They wouldn't care if it was on a computer or an abacus or anything. All they wanted was a reason for them to fire people, keep the pay the salary of the of the people employees trim, and have the three or four people who would say yes that are family friends make all the decisions because then ownership would get to you know, tell the coaches whatever they want, whenever they want. Get to call the shots, make the lines, tell the strategy. Who's gonna, which goal is going to play? They get to do all that. Isn't that great? That's the only change they made, and it which, is cra- which is crazy. Which is crazy because they, they know nothing about hockey. And then what was the change they did? They just changed back. They didn't like. All right, well, we didn't like the first way, and the second way didn't work, so let's make a new way. They're just like, all right, we'll just go back to the first way. Okay. <laughs> Fucking Christ, dude. There is optimism. We wouldn't like there, there is optimism. There's very clearly a team here. I mean, there you have a top five top five player in the NHL. Yeah, I think that's why we get so heated because because you know we're hockey guys. We expect different things than what's going on because we can see the talent. We can see everything's there. It's it's just they're one piece away, or you know they're a good coach away, or a good system away, uh, and it's frustrating. They either need a a coach that can, you know, take everyone under their wing and step up and bring them over the line, or a coach or a system that allows the players to do it for themselves. Well, they either need a really good coach like Quenville or Babcock, or they need a penguins type coach where the team just makes decisions for themselves yeah he puts in he puts in a strategy that fits to their strengths and allows them to make read and react on the ice to their strengths 
like, uh, you know, I don't know where this decision came from, but one thing I saw in the Flyers game that I really liked, uh, late in the third, Barkov was out for a full shift, about a minute, uh, and then a whistle, and it went to a commercial break. There was under, It was the under three commercial break or whatever, under five commercial break. Uh, and Barkov was out on the ice for a solid two straight minutes because, he, you know, he got the shift after the commercial break too. And, and I don't know if that's Barkov doing that, that's coaching doing that, but, like, that's the kind of stuff that needs to be done. And, you know, again, that's where it comes down to coaching. It, it, it's decision-making all the way down of, you know, what guys are going on the ice, who's playing, it, it, everything in the decision-making, in the roster formation, everything just needs to be better. And, and it's coaching and management and ownership that you know if this team can't make the playoffs those are the guys that you know we need to have their heads also a third jersey would be nice yeah but yeah <laughs> let's not ask for too much this is why i go crazy yeah yeah i'm with you good night good hockey talk to you soon and, and hopefully the panthers uh turn around and get right back on another win streak because they need it Everybody should be asking for spare body parts for the holidays for Luongo. They pretty much need uh, probably no more than three losses uh, between now and Christmas. Definitely. I mean, they need a lot of regulation wins. I can tell you that. To, yeah. For me to start feeling confident in this team and that, that they'll Especially be able to against- beat it. Especially against any Eastern Conference opponent. They, they need to win in regulation, not in overtime. Yep. Consistently. Yep. Good talk, Maddie. Fun to be back. We got to do this again.